radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome to another episode of Agile FM and it's uh, my great pleasure today to have um, somebody here to um, talk a little bit about a variety of topics that are somehow related, at least that's what I want to figure out about, open space. Open space, inviting agility and enterprise scrum business agility, a huge spectrum to be covered today. Um, and my guest today is Michael Herman. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for uh, joining here because we have a few things I would love to discuss with you around, uh, for, first of all, open space. Um, you just recently moved um, from a relatively big metro city area to Boise, Idaho, if that's correct. I did. Yeah. Is that enough open space for you out there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole nother dimension of open space. Okay. <laughs> That's not the open space we had in mind for this podcast, though. We're going to talk about um, open space technology, even though a lot of people drop the word technology at the end. Um, and uh, we, uh, that is uh, a company I, I work for, this has nothing to do with you or this, this uh, Agile FM, created an open space poster because we feel the, the need for more people um, use, use this technique uh, as a facilitation technique and it just recently got more attention through the liberating structures as well. So if somebody's interested in that poster, incremental.com forward slash learning dash eights. But now to the podcast. Um, Michael, um, you have been around open space for a very long time. You even wrote a very similar or book or put your name on it uh, on a cover on uh, open space technology, a user's non-guide. What's, mm, what yeah. is with that? Because they... Oh, that... Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that happened... Um, years ago. Oh, year, years ago. Uh, Harrison Owen wrote uh, Open Space Technology, A User's Guide. <laughs> right. And uh, along the way, uh, we had... Uh, we, we, we started growing a, a listserv, the, the OS list, and uh, funny, it started here in uh, Boise State and, and was here for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years mm -hmm. But uh, in, in my new town. But um, so we had hundreds of people on the, the OS list. And I want to say 2003 or four, somewhere in there, um, we just had, we had somebody join. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a woman named Julie Smith up in uh, um, uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, and she started asking a bunch of questions, and it as a complete newbie, mm -hmm. and the answers were just all over the map, and she asked about all kinds of stuff, and it went on for about two months, and I looked at this and said, "My goodness, this is a this this is an amazing uh, mm -hmm. review of things," and it was really the spirit of the thing um, more than the how-tos. Right. It was about self-organization and it was about letting go mm -hmm. and not being in control. And it was about conflict and other uh, sort of the, the, the spirit topics, the, the, the feel of the thing, the texture of the thing, mm -hmm. uh, of the practice. And so I, I took that and with help from Chris Corrigan, uh, we... Uh, 
we edited that down and sort of, I mean, because it, it happened in these forked uh, email mm -hmm. uh, threads and trying to put the threads back together in a way that made sense uh, in a stream, you know, in a, in a single stream. And that's basically what, what we did. And then we, we titled it that because it was, it was not the how to, <laughs> yeah. it was a kind of, you know, what is this really mm -hmm. the, the inside? And so we, we made it a, a non guide because it really didn't tell you what to do, but it told you a whole lot about what you were, um, mm -hmm. aiming for and trying to be. Right, one little word, big difference, as, right? As a facilitator, yeah. Yeah, huge, yeah. So one thing I I would love to talk a little bit about it because um, we ourselves do a lot of open space, right? Not to the extent of your experience, um, obviously, but somehow I saw you also do like open space as an agile method, right? So using, <laughs> using, using open space as the agile method, <clears throat> excuse me, so how would that look like? I mean, I see a lot of experimentation around open space being brought in to um, complement um, agile processes, right? But how would it look like if it was the only one, if, if that's what you meant? Oh, well, I, I would go back to when I first uh, encountered Agile. I, I, I guess I was the guy who introduced open space uh, to the Agile community. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I guess and some people have, have told me that. Uh, in 2002, there was a, a conference uh, in Chicago. The Agile XP Universe mm -hmm. uh, conference was early early on, I think the forerunner to the Agile Alliance and right. some other things. So it was, it was all pretty new after the manifesto. And there were about 300 people got together, and they wanted an open space track to that. And so I showed up at the, the conference. It was another, you know, it was just another another conference, uh, uh, you mm -hmm. know, gig for me. And I said, okay, so you guys are doing this Agile thing. Uh, great. Well, wh what is it? And they explained it, and I just started laughing. And uh, uh, I said, guys, you realize... You know, because I, I was laughing because they were asking me to do this. I said, but guys, you're making software in open space. Why do you need me here? Yeah. And the way I've, I've simplified it uh, since then is, to me, open space and, and agile are, are basically the same. Okay? Mm -hmm. we, we do the same thing. We put all the most important stuff on the wall, and then we get it done. And that, to me, is what the two of them are about. Right? We, mm -hmm. we work with stuff that, that matters. Now, Agile would put a finer point on it. The manifesto says it matters to people. Yeah. Uh, you know, customers. Well, that's fine. That's, but, but the point is that we're doing things that matter, that people care about. That there's, you know, some real passion for uh, the work, the results that we need to get, um, the, the people we need to serve, you know, by, with this work. So there, there's that, that caring and there's the transparency, the openness, the the emergent uh, dimension where it's not really supposed to be. The, 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 you know, when we talk in agile terms about VUCA and volatility and uncertainty and complexity and these things, that means that nobody knows all the answers. Mm. Nobody can be in charge of it. We're all learning. Diana Larson told me once, she thought, all software development was learning because you, you, you don't know how, you know, mm -hmm. how it's going to 
how, what's going to serve? And so you have to learn your way into this. Mm-hmm. And that dimension is common to both of them. So, you know, that was my start with with Agile. And I, I did some things through the years with the Agile Alliance and the, the board and, and the scrum gathering and, and things. And, um, uh, you know, user groups with, with uh, open space. Right. And, and it's really, so I, I just see them... Um, I mean, the Agile community has, has picked up on this and use it, but a lot of times it's, it's something that I would call conference open space mm-hmm. rather than organizational open space. And you think about how people hold and care about their, their work and their jobs, their careers, their, you know, their, their employment versus how they care about their conference attendance and getting, you know, having a good day at the conference mm-hmm. um, a day or two. The level of caring, how, how people care about those two different situations, is how the difference is, you know, is a mirror for the difference between what happens in conference open space and what happens in, in uh, organizational open space. Yeah. Because people care so much more about what we're going to do over the next several months, maybe, or years even, of, of work, how we're going to shape. Uh, <coughs> Yeah, our results for for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally agree with your with your statement. So I mean, we, we don't see organization open space very much yet. Yeah, uh, in agile. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry if I'm interrupting. Right. So yeah, the, no. yeah, yeah, the we have seen the exact same evidence as well. So we have done some open space uh, in organizations. We have done some open space in. Uh, in conferences, in conferences, as people walk away, uh, they might not meet these people ever, ever again. Um, proceedings become less meaningful, right? Whereas in an organization, they're super, super beneficial, and uh, and people are you know taking actions out of the open space. So that's uh, fascinating to see that. Well, and there's so much more complexity. I mm-hmm. mean, when you show up at a conference, the challenge is how do I learn the things I need to learn. And open space can help that by by creating this this open market for for sharing and learning and asking questions. So you can ask the questions, not that the organizers ask some speakers to address, but that I really care about. I can I can ask the question that matters to me, and find the three people out of a thousand people at a conference who also have this question or have the answer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, or part of it. And so I can. That, that's interesting at a conference uh, sort of level, but the organization level where you can, you know, I, I started, at one point I was asking people, um, there's a woman in, uh, in Ireland um, uh, who has done um, uh, requirements gathering mm-hmm. in, in open space. Oh, fantastic. And, um, uh, you know Sandra Wallace and, and did her whole her dissertation on this, and then wrote a book on it. And, and you know, calls it Open XP is is kind of the practice that she developed. But um, if you think about how many stakeholders are there in a you know in, in a stakeholder universe mm-hmm. for a a large you know complex piece of uh, software work? Yeah. Well. If you know, I started asking people in the in the in the most complex places you've been, how many stakeholders, how many people cared about the output, and, and we're going to need to represent and sell this to some set of customers. 
And I was getting numbers, you know, 100 or 200 people sometimes. And we're, we're the ones who are trying to have an active voice in how this software was shaped. And open space lets you bring them all together. Mm-hmm. Open space lets you, you bring all of them together and ask, what does this need to be? How does this thing we're building, how does it need to change the world? And not just in software terms and how is it going to function, but how is it going to change the world? How is it going to change people's lives? How are they going to use it? And you can express that and ask that in business terms that the stakeholders, that that's their language that they speak, mm-hmm. and then you can ask them, uh, you can invite the developers and start to, the conversation between them. But you can, you can really challenge the business to get its story straight right. with these sometimes hundreds of people. Hundreds of people, um, yeah. And, and basically the, the, the dynamic that, that I um, identified in this is that the manifesto says that the software developers are responsible for creating working software. But what this approach was able to do is say, look, but the business is responsible for something too. They need to create what I call working context. Mm-hmm. They need to be clear about what they need over and over again. And that's you know that's an iterative yeah. journey as well. But it can start in, in open space and you can identify the the initial strategic intent at a high level. You can have the, the cut of that that comes in the in the topics that are raised. You can have the notes then give another level of detail and the notes include an interesting thing. We always include, and maybe you do this too, we always include who raised the issue mm-hmm. and who attended the conversation, who participated. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. by attaching those names to the notes, you surface the knowledge and, and uh, passion sort of networks mm-hmm. um, to a- the, the topics so that when we get around to developing this feature or that feature, we can figure out who, who cared the most and who knew the most about how this was supposed to function. Mm-hmm. So That's in this way, you, you develop uh, what Sandra called you know, multiple layers of, of uh, context for mm-hmm. this. And, and from that depth, you can um, you build a much better set of, of requirements as you go. Oh, I'm sure. And not only, this is an amazing idea, right? So uh, just to to use this technique for exactly this kind of purpose where you're dealing with, you know, complexity because there are people, right? And where people are, there is complexity. And uh, and I would also say probably much, much more fun than uh, gathering <laughs> requirements in any other way. I right. Think it's fantastic. And, and you know, we, we've mentioned this, this word inviting. Uh, it's much more inviting to, to the business side of the, the house mm-hmm. that... If, if they can come and speak in their own language first, you know, if we make that okay and we, we, we invite them into this work, say, look, no, you, you can do it in any language you like. And if you, you know, you want to think in terms of screens and, you know, this data is there and that data is here. And, you know, if you know those things, great. But if all you know is the customer and the market, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You can start, we can start there. And it's a learning tool, yes. And and invite the developers into that and learn that. So mm-hmm. it's it. Uh, so many times we hear that that agile struggles to engage the business. That it's a thing that the software guys are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Well, this is kind of a 
a sneaky way to engage um, the business in, like I say, it's the same stuff. It's all the stuff that matters, and and make it you know transparent so that everybody can see all of it. Mm-hmm. So this is what we do in open space. So as soon as they they do a day in open space, it doesn't look exactly like Scrum. We don't do estimates and mm-hmm. and um, you know points, you know story points and things on in open space in that first uh, go round uh, or in, you know in those. those uh, um, requirements gathering conversations, context uh, development conversations, but when the what's the same is the transparency and the and the uh, importance of things. So that when we do go to Scrum with with developers and the the business people come by and they see the board, they're not intimidated by or or bothered or or you know confused in any way yeah. by having everything on the wall they say oh this must be somehow related to the stuff we put on the wall and right away there's a there's a a confidence and a um mm-hmm. uh, some assurance because they see that the software guys are working in a way similar to what they have been working in so it it, it feels the same yeah I mean, this is interesting what you said earlier, right, about uh, Diane Larson, about, you know, software's, you know, it's all about learning, right, um, mm. paraphrasing this. Um, it is true, right, if you, and, and your, the approach you're, you're highlighting here, especially about the requirements, is it allows the teams to take a, a step back, right, and even look at the work even from a different angle. So, for example, you have seven Java developers, uh, in your group and uh, you want to build a new system, the chances it will be Java is very likely, right? Um, mm. That's that's the original, that's the knowledge around it, right? So um, whereas this approach might actually allow, is Java the right language for what we're trying to solve or do we need to bring something else in? Do we need to learn something that is possibly an even better effective method for this? So this is a really, um, really good tool also from a business right. perspective. Well, and, and in that in mm-hmm. that sense, when the when the Java guys not only do they decide that it's going to be Java, but then they start telling the business, well, because it's Java, we <laughs> yeah. have to do it this way. Yeah. And the business purpose never gets a foothold in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, Java has the foothold. That's right. And, <laughs> and, drives, so, and drives the thing. Exactly. So, and for all listeners out there, we have nothing against Java. This is just a example. No, no. <laughs> it, it's just an example. Um, I never met a Java I didn't yeah. like. No. Uh, <laughs> the uh, so the the um, uh, but the, the this challenge of engaging the business in the work um, is, we have to let them start where they are, mm-hmm. and we need to challenge them to really make the purpose or purposes you know the the things the reasons we're building this make that. Um, you know, clear, and and you know, we talk about product owners. You know, a single person coming in and you know, explaining to the team, you know, carrying the vision, explaining why this matters. Well, this this is a chance. Um, it, it's possible to to challenge the whole business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a big slice of it anyway. Right, uh, mm-hmm. To to articulate the import of of what we're doing and you know what we're trying to do mm-hmm. and. Uh, to uh, uh, impart to the developers why this matters to people. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, 
before, you highlighted a little bit the word inviting um, as, as part of the open space. Um, you also um, you know, coined a phrase, I believe it's, it's, it's your definition of inviting agility. Um, would, you, would you mind exploring that term a little bit and share with the listeners out there what you mean by that and how that would look like? Sure. Uh, inviting organization and inviting leadership are uh, phrases that, that I coined uh, 20 years ago. And I did that, um, you know, the, the, uh, a lot of talk about Teal and uh, the, um, the book, uh, uh, the Lalu book and the Teal organization. And, and I have not read very much of that. But as I recall, that's, that, that all goes back it has a significant tie back to Ken Wilber, and that's where I started with these ideas. Mm-hmm. I, I heard Ken Wilber speak once, and, and I actually was lucky enough in a room of 300 people to, uh, to literally be at his knee. Um, you know, I could have reached out and smacked him on the knee. I was that close, and I, I actually went away from that conversation he had with 300 people, kind of vibrating for, for days, or if not weeks. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's fair to say it, it changed the trajectory of my whole life and career in a lot of ways because I went away and I, I read his, you know, I read some of his work and I read the latest work that he was talking about at the time and it sort of occurred to me looking at the evolution of consciousness the way he described it that you could, you know, you could map the evolution of consciousness in organization. And so that's what I did and I, I wrote that up in a, a, a paper and friends told me I should write a book, and I said, well, if this stuff's really important, then I should just get it out there so people can see it. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, and if it's not, if it's not important, then I'm not, I'm not giving anything away that's valuable, and it's, you know, who cares? So um, it just needed out, I thought. And so I, I looked at my practice in open space and my, my experience there, and I, I looked at a, uh, this Fast Company magazine uh, cover story was out at the time it said that the it used to be the you know it used to be a strategic question uh the basic strategic question was what what business are you in and then it became what is your business model and they were suggesting at the time this was 1998 they were suggesting that the new question was how digital are you oh wow now this was before the manifesto if it was after the manifesto and after they had attached this uh, uh, agile term to to this way of working, they probably would have said, "How agile are you?" But they, they didn't have that word, so they said, "How digital are you?" And they they used some stories in that. They, they to- told some stories in this um, uh, article that uh, described what Procter and Gamble and Walmart and Motorola were doing 15 years earlier. And I said, "Guys, this is an old story. Mm-hmm. If this if if." If we really, if this is the new question, we need to know. I, I'm really interested in what the the next strategic question is. What are these companies doing now that 15 years from now is going to matter? And when I looked around, my, what I translated from Ken Wilber, I had a four by five sort of model, four quadrants and, and five layers, and they had four dimensions of business. That needed to be reevaluated, you know, reorganized every time you uh, 
um, change the strategic question. So I said, if my model is any good at all, it ought to tell me what the next great strategic question is that we need to be focusing on. And so I looked at all this stuff and I said, I think what happens in open space is at this fourth level. And I think what it is, the nature of this, it, it's inviting in the sense that it's inviting is something you can do as a, mm-hmm. a technical practice. You can get better at it and, and it's a thing you can do. It's also a way that you need to aspire to be or no one will show up for the work you're, you're articulating and suggesting because you don't get to direct them. You don't get to impose your, your directions, your mandates on them. You, you have to say something, you know, point to something that matters and invite them to care with you. So it, it's, a, it's a, a, inviting is a way you need to be as well mm-hmm. to be an inviting, you know, to, to be an inviting leader. You can't just, you know, send off uh, directions with the word, I invite you to do what I say. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. you, you actually have to say, please, guys, I think this matters to the future of the business because, and you make your case. So now it's a, it's a leadership that has to see something that has to care first. This, you know, a leader who has to go first in the caring and the, and the uh, uh, exploring of this into the, the, some unknown question and then say, please, people, come with me. We can do something about this. We can change the world and, and start to articulate that. Mm-hmm. So I saw that the inviting organization functioned at a level above what Fast Company was was then describing. And the interesting thing is that I saw 15 years after this, or 17 years after this, I saw people talking about this at places like Motorola. Some of these places in Walmart were doing these things. Walmart picked up um, a book that was later written about this, um, and uh, they did this. And I thought, I'll be darned. What I was talking about in 1998 and got picked up and, and developed by, by uh, uh, some other folks, Daniel Mezek, uh, chief among them, mm-hmm. um, they picked up the story that, that, that you know, had evolved in that way at Walmart, and they were then doing inviting organization 15 years later than I thought they would. Wow. <laughs> <But> <laughs> so, and then just just to round out the story, because I I yeah. mentioned that uh, I mentioned this uh, was a five by four. Oh, the, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the fifth level would be the equivalent of the in Ken Wilber terms a spirit level. You know, matter, body, mind, soul, spirit was kind of the great chain of being that he was mm-hmm. working with in, in his work. And uh, so I said. Geez, what what happens after the inviting organization? Mm-hmm. And I said, I think what comes next is um, the, the the next strategic question is how light is your organization? And the uh, the thing about light is that if, if you think about the you know if we think about the quadrants in terms of um, uh, without going into them, but but that there these four different quadrants and four different dimensions of work and organization and consciousness and evolution and all you know the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Light is simultaneously love and caring. It is simultaneously uh, it is uh, clear. It is uh, fast, and it is uh, powerful. And 
those four things map to the fast company strategic uh, dimensions of business that need to be re rethought. They map to Ken Wilber's, uh, you know, thinking on consciousness and all that. So I said, it is all of these at once. And I know that when I've been in open space that really works, the whole place seems to lift up and spin. I've, I've you know, mm -hmm. I've, I've felt in these times uh, 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 a flow in this, that the whole closing circle seems to, you know, there seems to be this, this circular flow, vertical flow that, that others have, have talked about. And uh, so I thought at that point, all of these things are, are, are the same or they're so closely connected. And people ask me, uh, sponsors ask me sometimes in open space, oh, should, you know, they come at, at, as a lunch gets put out and I, they say, should I go around and tell everyone that, that lunch is uh, ready? And I say, well, it's not that hard. All you have to do is pick up a sandwich and take a bite and walk through the room chewing and everybody gets the message. <laughs> and that to me, when we talk agile, Mm -hmm. and an open space it means that we're to me it's we're lowering the transactions costs in in the marketplace for ideas and information mm -hmm. and everything gets lighter and easier and faster and and when we're dealing with you know we're able to deal with the stuff that really matters the stuff people care about the interesting thing is that when they rewrote uh, the modern agile guys rewrote um some of this story around uh, the manifesto and they, and they make these they, they made this four-pointed story mm -hmm. and when when I first heard uh, uh, Josh Karievsky tell this story in a keynote in an agile conference a few years ago um, I, my suggestion to him was don't tell different stories for each of these quadrants that you've identified tell a single story and show how all of these pieces flow together and are operating all together. You can't just make people op you know, awesome without then, um, you know, do, without doing safety first and that without it leading into learning and experimentation and, and results for customers. And, you know, right. it, uh, these things, it only works when it all flows together. And yeah. so that's the kind of thing that um, I think we're trying to enable mm -hmm. is that what Mike, Mike Beadle used to call um, and what Enterprise Scrum enables on a canvas is all at once management mm -hmm. because all of these things matter no. simultaneously. Yeah, that, that's an area I want to explore with you too here. So, right? so we'd be started in the beginning with like these three uh, topics we wanted to talk about, open space, yeah. inviting agility, as well as the uh, business agility and Enterprise Scrum. And uh, so what, what seemed, and I think this is, a, this is a nice segue, right? What seemed like three totally disconnected topics, uh, it's, it's wonderful to, to listen to you and just to see like how these things are actually intertwined. And I hope uh, the listeners pick up on this, that there is a, is a holistic story around it, right? And I can't wait to hear a little bit from you to, um, to see that, that, that piece of the story here. Now, um, Mike Beadle, obviously um, known as, as one of the... Um, signatories of the Agile Manifesto, and uh, unfortunately, he um, he left us uh, last year. And uh, he wrote Enterprise Scrum. He had a few books he published, but he it was always what I think what we're going to talk about here is is business agility. Are you are you continuing carrying the torch um, on this topic? Uh, 
why are you so passionate about it and how do you I, think it doesn't yeah, intertwine I, with the previous things? I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest that I alone could carry this torch. I mean Mike Mike wrote with Ken the first book on Scrum. He was the first non Jeff Sutherland implementation uh, of Scrum in a company. He founded and ran a company entirely with Scrum. Uh, so he, I mean, he was a, a giant, and yes. you know, he, he brought the Agile word to the manifesto. Yeah. Um, so he, he was, was just a giant in in this field of ours. But um, what what I have distilled um, in my learning from Mike and what he did with Enterprise Scrum, which I mean, he, he did a, he did a lot of things, but he, he first. Um, he suggested that, uh, that we stretch the backlog to include everything we need to do to get the work done, not just the work that needs to be done. So if you need to go out and uh, rearrange a team, add a new team member or something, there's work to be done. You have to go in, you know, you need, some people need to go interview some people. Somebody needs to make a job posting and write up what skills they need, uh, what they want. That's work. That belongs on your on your canvas in your backlog somewhere. So he generalized from from backlog to what he called value list, which was everything that mattered, everything you need to do to deliver value. Even if some of those things are never seen by the customer, like hiring and and you know mm -hmm. tracking metrics and things and and uh, you know reporting to leadership and, and you know. Budget work, you know, getting the funding in, in, in a governance sense in a, in a setting. So all of these uh, things we need to do in order to get the work done to deliver for customers um, belongs in the backlog. So we visualize everything that matters so we can manage it all at once. The other thing he did was he took that backlog. And he created something called a he called the Enterprise Scrum Scrum Board, which was really a, a fractal sort of uh, Kanban, if you like, because there's a to-do canvas, and then there's a, a Kanban for the current cycle, because he mm -hmm. generalized a bunch of this he, he generalized a bunch of these terms. A product owner became the a uh, business owner, so it, it wasn't just yeah. it, it applied even if you didn't have a product per se. Right. Um, Backlog became valueless, and and sprint became uh, cycle, um, emphasizing the iter you know the iterative nature of this. So you have a, a a little kanban for the cycle, and then you have a, a done canvas. So even when you can't uh, you know compile and and uh, deploy and demonstrate software, you can make these things visible in a done canvas. If you're doing marketing or HR work or thing, you can move them to the done canvas and you can talk about what how you see that and and make that that agreement with your stakeholders in that moment mm -hmm. so it 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 helps with the the visualization and then what he did was he he showed how you could take these scrum boards for individual teams each operating on the domain that they know best but informed by and depending on and you know in, informing and depending on and informing others and depend, you know, having others depend on their results, you could string all these canvases together in a way that 
could show all of the work in the organization. Mm-hmm. You could, and you know, Steve Denning has said that the organization of the of the future um, is characterized by teams rather than individuals in a network mm-hmm. serving customers. And what what Mike's maps of organizations uh, of mapping these canvases together, these these scrum boards together, you can see every, all the work of every team. You can see all the connections between teams required to deliver the work. And you can see that every canvas has a customer panel in it so that every team is focused on the end customer. So that, to me, what I was suggesting to Mike uh, before he died was what he had created was the, was the org chart of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. It wasn't one of these oh individuals linked by lines that is always out of date. It's a it's a map of all the work in the in the organization that is always up to date, always most current, always prioritized, mm-hmm. and so he was he was talking about, uh, uh, I think a hugely revolutionary uh, practice that allows us to do things that Steve Denning is describing and allows us to do things that Jeff Sutherland is describing and others with uh, Scrum at scale and. Uh, so I think he, he really had the map for the future of organization. And the, the main thing that I, you know, that I use all the time uh, in, in teaching people Agile and Scrum, and this goes back and it's a little bit bigger version of mm-hmm. what I said at the beginning. So maybe it, it makes a, a nice bookend for us here. That I said at the beginning that open space and agility were the same because you you put all the most important stuff on the wall, and then you get it done. Well, Mike, we used to talk about and, and go back and forth about wondering, is an enterprise scrum canvas, is it one big open space, ongoing open space? <laughs> or is it nine or 12 or however many boxes you have in your canvas, is it nine or 12 or whatever, many open spaces all going on simultaneously so that you can manage everything all at once? Right, mm-hmm. balance the the priorities as you go. So, um, we never did decide that, and that doesn't matter. But the the neat thing that I took away, you know, the the, the thing that I um, took away from uh, all of the the work the with Mike, the yeah. things I distilled was that to me, agile practice boils down to five things, and those are visualization, prioritization. Uh, uh, commitment, delivery, and review and improve, which which Mike lumped together as his version of retrospective, because it gave a purpose. To it didn't look back. Yeah. It was about viewing and improving for the future. So it was uh, every cycle you reviewed and improved everything on the canvas. So when you look at visualization, prioritization, commit, deliver, and review and improve, my take on that is that. Everything after visualization can be largely a naturally occurring phenomenon. The real hurdle in all of this, and it's what we get over when we build a backlog, it's what we get over when we build the agenda in open space, or we build an enterprise scrum canvas, is the visualization. We decide to go into this and share what we know of the situation, all of us knowing that none of us know all of it. We go in, 
and we dare to, to say what we know and don't know. We visualize everything. And then as soon as we get all that stuff on the wall, mm-hmm. the natural response is, oh no, this is a lot of work. <laughs> yes. This is a lot of stuff we don't know. Yep. This is a lot of testing and experimenting. So the natural thing to do is say, well, where do we start? And we naturally prioritize. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, and we've done that together, it's easy to commit and say, well, guys, enough of the, you know, we're pushing around the, the 10th, 11th, 12th, you know, 150th priorities. Let's start something. Mm-hmm. You know, we're tired of prioritizing. We naturally run out of energy for that, and we get to committing and get to deliver something. And yes, you could argue that we have distractions along the way, and, you know, coaching still matters. But, but a lot of this stuff is naturally occurring if we can all just get on the same wall together. Yeah. If we can stand, rather than put issues on the table and, or an email where they don't even you know, touch us, don't even put them on the table where they come between us, literally. Mm. Put them on the wall where we literally stand shoulder to shoulder and face the issues and the questions and the challenges together, yeah. shoulder to shoulder. That is awesome. Same, same vision. And that geometry and getting groups from talking about things around a table to talking about things that we're facing together on the wall, that, that is the whole hurdle to me. It's, that, it's the, the prime leap in the whole thing. And then, whether you're talking about building software or the future of the organization or the future of the education in Peoria or mm-hmm. how we're, how we're going to transform as, as an organization to be more agile um, as a software or as a whole business organization, doesn't matter. It's all the same. Yeah. It's all the same. Big question that we don't, none of us dare or are able to, to handle as a department, as a team, as a subunit of something large. Yeah. We need each other to deliver value for people. Yeah, this is while you were talking, and this is fascinating. Talk, listening to you, it's uh, you have some really, really good points here, and how these things are intertwined. Is it's like it is not, probably not a coincidence that the background picture of the Agile Manifesto is a people standing up in front of a wall, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of, right? Um, I don't know if the listeners picked up on that one comment you made, and I just want to make sure that uh, we heard that right. So. Uh, you mentioned that Mike Beadle was the one that uh, brought up the word agile. As a, he was. He, he was. was. He, had, right. he had done some some reading, and he was familiar with the word. And uh, of course, the 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 uh, story that Craig Larman tells is that the, there was uh, there was already some prior investment. That, that, uh, when you look at what agile wanted to be. A lot of what it wanted to be was adaptive, but there was already um, some uh, significant investment on uh, one or two of the guy's parts. Um, I, see. I don't remember exactly yeah. how this goes. Had already, there was already a book on adaptive yes. software development and a domain name and stuff. And they said, you know, geez, if, if we all just, if we use this word, it's all going to – one or two of us are already going to own this thing. Yeah. We're not going to do that. And so they needed alternatives, and, and uh, yeah. Agile was one of those alternatives. And 
So Mike awesome. made his case, and apparently uh, that went uh, through. You know, went out, and so awesome. yeah, he he brought that word. Yeah, and it's uh, it's also um, uh, you know, I had him, I had him, I wanted to get in him on on Agile FM, and unfortunately we ran out of time um, here with us, and uh, I was really looking forward to this uh, to an Agile FM recording with him. But hey, that's sometimes how life is. Um, can turn back the time, but we can t- take it forward. And there is so much to discuss. I would love to have you come back sometime. And, well, uh, and you know, we, we could we could um, get into more about exactly the mechanics of enterprise Scrum. And that would be and awesome. Yes, happen. and there is also <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. There's also a um, a one page and a thirty page document on your website, which is uh, michaelherman.com, and it's also going to be on the events page on Agile FM, and that is Herman with a single N at the end. Sometimes yep. it's written with two Ns. Thank uh, that you. That is michaelherman.com. And uh, this is where people can download material on things we just uh, uh, touched on. And uh, I just want to say thank you. That was awesome. And, you know, uh, more, yeah. more too, at, uh, uh, I, wrote, I wrote the paper, the, the, the longer paper you referred to, I wrote yeah. uh, right after Mike died because there were some things that he was talking about before he died that hadn't been written up anywhere yet. And as far as I know, the paper you talk about is the most complete, um, not in the most detailed. Mike was great at detail, but the most complete in the sense that it captured some of the things he was talking about that he hadn't gotten to write down yet. Mm. So it's, it's the fullest story that I could write right after he died that captured everything I had learned from him mm-hmm. in the enterprise scrum realm. So I wanted to make that available to people. It's also available. It's available at my my site, but it's also available and some other things at enterprise and Mike's writings at enterprisescrum.com. Fantastic. Thanks for pointing that out, Michael. Thank you, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Great. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.